The dates for the next Million Dollar Sundays are locked in. Wondering what a million bucks looks like? Every Sunday in October, America's Card Room is putting $1 million guaranteed on the table. On Sunday, October 4th, 11th, 18th, and 25th, we're bringing our famous Million Dollar Sunday, a $1 million guaranteed poker tournament with a gigantic $200,000 cash prize for first place. Don't miss out on your biggest payday yet. AmericasCardRoom.com Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 63 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardRoom.com. If you want 27% rate back, then simply sign up for your America's Cardroom account using any one of the links or adverts on OneOuter.com homepage. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on OneOuter.com website and also via iTunes for free. Just search the One Outer podcast. If you want to send in questions for Alex that you will answer, then email questions at OneOuter.com or tweet them to me or Facebook them to me, whichever is easier for yourself. Alex is back fresh from battle. It sounds like some sort of, I don't know, Lord of the Rings thing. Or uh, yeah. I, 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 was, I was going to say sharp, but I thought that was a bit obscure. I was loading my musket, yeah. Here he is, uh, fresh from battle. Alex, how are you this week? I'm good, man, I'm good. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're welcome, actually. In fact, there's no show if you're not on. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, you know, you're kind of, you're on by default, Alex. Yeah, man. yeah, I feel like so uh, how was things then in Dallas? Was there a third gunman on the grassy knoll? Uh, there, there was no third gunman. It was, uh, uh, you know, if you guys want to see how it actually played out, some people feel like it's like a sporting event. They want to see, like, how it actually played out. I'd tur- you know, I'd go ahead, like, five minutes, ten minutes now or whatever. But, uh, yeah, essentially, uh, I, I met with uh, this Mexican rapper and we, we battled and the first two rounds were extremely intense. I think it was, I think it was possibly his best two rounds out of like six, seven battles. And it was definitely my best two out of the three I've done. And it was, uh, uh, the crowd was really into it. It was like in an old boxing gym and it it was just a perfect environment for, it was just in a perfect environment for a battle. It was like this gym that got a commendation from like Barack Obama. And, you know, it was uh, where a lot of like young Mexican fighters like came out of. And I, I thought I was going to have a really hard time uh, go, moving with the crowd, getting the crowd to move. But instead, the crowd really was, they were really with me. And like the first two cra- first two rounds, like the place was like literally shaking, like with every it felt like it was shaking, right? It was, Mm. it was crazy. Like I've never experienced anything like that in my life. It was like a heroin high. Like every, every time you drop like a great rhyme, uh, every time you drop like a great rhyme, like people would correct themselves. I, I mean, people would, uh, I wouldn't have to correct myself is what I meant to say. Like there wasn't a time I like botched really anything and then like people were just going wild for like every line of mine and his his was uh-huh. more insidious because like i knew he was gonna take that you know like oh you're the white 
white guy route, you know, like you're the white racist yeah. and like truth be told, like there was 300 people in there and like other than the camera guys and my friend, I was the only white dude there, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it was a pretty yeah. smart tactic to take. And, uh, but like, man, I was just crushing it. And then the, the third round came in and he did like a, he did like a spoken word poem about like the plight of Mexicans in the States. And I, re I remember thinking like, well, this is strange. You know what I mean? For like a battle rap, right? And then yeah. like, as I was like thinking like, this is strange, I realized I didn't rem remember my opener, right? Like I couldn't <laughs> remember my opening bar for the third round. And really what happened was, like, we were supposed to start at, like, 6 or something, and instead we started at, like, 9, and, like, I hadn't eaten. I was planning to eat after the battle, but I hadn't eaten. And then, like, I was, uh, you know, like, it, we were supposed to go on 3rd. Instead, we went on 1st. So, mm -hmm. like, I wasn't really ready. I was supposed to, like, prepare a little bit more, and then I was supposed to, like, have eaten, like, more recently. And I... I, I went up there and I felt I like it was so hot because we had so many people there, right? And it's like mm -hmm. it's a boxing gym. It's not exactly meant for like ventilation, right? It's like it's a, it, it was me it was like made in the ghetto, right? It was made as just like this sanctuary for kids, and it was like so hot up there, and I was like so dehydrated. I like I couldn't think, and then I remember my first word, and I was like, okay, okay, cool, right? So I went into it. And then the other guy, uh, the kid I was battling, started talking during one of my rounds. And I got pissed off about it. And I started thinking about that. And I just totally lost it. I couldn't remember what the next line was. Mm. And, like, I couldn't even freestyle. I couldn't anything. It was, like, my first ever choke. And it, right. wasn't, it wasn't for that long. I'm sure it felt, you know, like those 30 seconds or whatever it is feels like 20, yeah. 20 years to me, right? But <laughs> it's really weird yeah. to have 300 people staring at you and, like, you don't know what the next word is, right? Tumble, tumbleweed. Yeah. Or where their hackles are. What was... It was actually, the crowd is really incredible in Dallas. Like, they were just like, come on, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they were, yeah. Like, yeah. They were pretty cool, you know. And then... uh. The the kid I was battling, you could tell he felt bad. He was like, take it from the top. They'll edit it down. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, okay. So I went back from the top. I still didn't really get it. I took it from the top. You know, like I freestyled something. I didn't really get it. I took it from the top again. I finally got it. But like at that point, I, I delivered. I missed like four bars, right? Like I lost four of my bars. That was it. I remembered the rest of the round, right? But you're going to see on the footage, I clearly lost the crowd, right? Like, I I had a very, like, personal cutting round for uh -huh. him, you know what I mean? And it's like, it, it was, was going to rely on a lot of the momentum I had building up, and I just completely lost it. And then I had one of these bigger finishing lines, and, like, I had this really big, like, finishing idea, essentially. I mean, I, I, to... You know, essentially, he's a he's a Mexican guy who drops the N word pretty frequently, which is fine, uh, I guess, if they let him get away with that. But like, there was a battle recently. Nachos, nachos. Yeah, nachos, nachos. is the word. Nachos yeah. is that word. Yeah. Nachos, yeah, natija is the other one. But like, uh, no, it was a. Uh, 
but like there was a recent battle where it was like you know this atheist rapper versus uh, a Christian man of faith who happened to be African American, and in that battle it like the atheist rapper had like nothing but white people in his corner, and he was like talking about like burning the guy's like church family and stuff <laughs> like that, and I was like you know how the hell do you like come off like you can drop the end bomb when you're in that corner right, and I'm pretty sure that finisher would have been pretty pretty sick like if i'd kept the crowd but like yeah. you know at that point you know the crowd the crowd's like sitting there for like and it was another thing like uh uh you know like it, it's an amateur boxing gym so the guy was going to run some amateur fights like after we were done for the night uh the guy we were running it from which sounds like a great idea on paper right because you already got a crowd there and like the amateur fights you can't really uh i i don't think you can charge for it otherwise there's like a uh you know it's a different license but like you know the people just like walk out and come back in and then you know now they can watch fights right so it's like they got yeah. an extra show problem was a lot of the people that showed up for the fights didn't speak english so like they're just sitting around like why do i have to be quiet right now and they're like i don't really feel like being quiet right so like mm -hmm. while we were rapping like you're probably not going to hear it on the footage but like you know, you, it's really hard to think when you got like 50 people talking around you, you know what I mean? And then I felt really bad about it, right? Because I, I was pretty sure I was going to win that battle if I'd kept it going, right? But the first two rounds were like fire. Like they were just, like when you see it on the footage, it is so clear, like I worked really hard, right? And it's like, it's much more complex. It's much less like shock humor. It's much more like about actual writing, in actual, mm -hmm. like, rapping, you know what I mean? Like, I I went back to, well, I, did, I, I didn't go back to it. I've never done it on film. I, I went to rap, and I just rapped, you know what I mean? I was really proud of what I came out with, and, like, it was really accepted by the crowd, and really, that's not easy when you're the foreigner, you know what I mean? But uh, mm -hmm. then we had a battle after that, and uh, a kid, you know, went up there, and it was, like, this incredible battle. And then in the third round, the kid had a heat stroke, <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. He just straight up collapsed, right? And it wasn't, like, that hot. You know what I mean? But, like, when you're, like, running around a ring and, like, running into somebody's face and you're, like, screaming at the top of your lungs for nine minutes, it gets pretty hot, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, like, yeah, this kid had a heat stroke. And I was thinking, Jesus, man, that could have so easily been me. You know what I mean? It was the same thing. Like, he couldn't remember his line. He couldn't remember his line. He couldn't remember his line. I was like... You know, and I yelled from the side of the ring, like, it gets better, right? Like, don't worry, right? And then, <laughs> and then like, the kid collapsed. I was like, good job, Alex. Like, you know, like, you, you really helped in this situation. And then, you know, we got, you know, my wife's a doctor, so he checked in on him. And we took, you know, we took him to another doctor, and he was fine. But, you know, it was just, it was a weird night because nobody really, it was something, nothing that nobody would ever really tried before, which was, you know, like, just sit, let's take it to the hood, let's take it to the gym and see how we can do, right? And, yeah, for them to show so much love to, like, a white boy, you know what I mean? It was, it was pretty cool. Like, it, 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 the crowd was huge. It was like, that's the other thing, man. Like, it, it's not like I can practice, like, rapping in front of people at my home, you know what I mean? So it's like, it was the weirdest thing. Like, I'd done that battle 10 times, 20 times without having to check my papers, like, I'm going to publish a blog on PokerHeadRush.com. Uh, look out for it. But, like, you, you'll see, like, essentially, like, uh, the 
a dining area in my room, like a, an area you'd eat breakfast. It just has like 10 pages across it. And I like, I, I'd memorize the whole thing. I didn't have to look at it, but something about like I was up there, I was dehydrated, the intensity of the crowd, like I just lost it. It was, uh, it, 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 I mean, and to, be, to be fair, I did finish the round, but it, re it really just sucked to lose that momentum because like the momentum was really like, it, it like my second round, like I just had, like the second round I was, I was just like playing the kid. Like it was just my game. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have one slip up. I was doing super complicated crap. And like, it was my first time doing that. And I wasn't like messing it up. So it was like, yeah, it was frustrating, but you know, it seemed like it was a tough night all around for like what we were doing. You know what I mean? So it, uh, it, 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 it went fine. Like it's an experience, anyway. Isn't yeah, it? it's, it's another. A, it's an know? experience. Yeah, exactly. It's an experience. It's like, well, yeah. It's like you watch Eight Mile, and it's like, oh, you wonder, like, man, I wonder what it felt like for that guy to choke, you know, in front of all those people, and. Mm -hmm. uh, now you know. Now I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I know. Well, it's a, it's one of those things, like. I I just you know I never thought like as a kid I get to like be published and like. I think I think probably at this point it's probably like millions of magazines. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, like straight up when you consider all the international versions and stuff like that. I didn't think I'd get commissioned to write a book. I didn't think I'd, you know, get to play like big televised final tables. I really didn't think I'd get to rap. You know what I mean? Like that was kind of that was something you always did fart, farting around. You know what I mean? And then it's just really cool how like the industry has opened up. Like it's really. And, like, the people, by the way, the people in Dallas are incredible, man. Like, that's such an an amazing scene. Like, normally when you start choking, you know, there's always some jackass, like, time, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. right on you, or, there, you know, there's booing or something like that. All they were doing were, like, you know, like, you got this, you got this, man. Don't worry about it. And, like, the battles, like, the cool thing about the scene there, Carlos Welch was there. Uh, mm -hmm. He, uh, you know, he came out. And, you know, we were all chilling. Well, he is a stalker, remember? <laughs> He's so awful. Of course, of course he was there. <laughs> he's awful. You're awful, man. He's the funny. He's like, he's like, man, that poor Carlos, man. You're always on him. But he's a... Uh, yeah, he knows I'm joking. I'm he joking. knows. He knows. I just, like, it was so funny. Like, I was like, man, he's going to say that. And then sure enough. <laughs> but uh, Carlos Welch, by the way, has an incredible Twitch channel, if you all haven't seen it yet. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. He like live streams from his car. He's like homeless poker player, right? And then uh, you know, it's like like literally, it was him in the jungle at one point. And he's got like all the webcams like showing you around the jungle while he's playing on his laptop inside. But yeah, Carlos Welch was out there, and he was saying he was like, you know, I've been at a lot of battles. It's not normal for the battlers to be like such good friends afterward, right? And it's like you know you. It was kind of like that gym, like you go out there and you get all that aggression out in the ring, and then afterward, you know, it's all love, you know what I mean? They were, yeah. you know, all those people are like really cool. It, it's got that element, for some reason, there's a number of Christian rappers, and then like guys who don't particularly like the Christian rappers, so there's always that Jedi mind tricks, like, uh, you know, like terminology about the, you know, like heaven and hell and stuff in a lot mm -hmm. of the battles, which makes them a lot more epic, you know what I mean? And then the, it's, uh, it, it, it's just a, it's a really cool scene. Everybody's like really, 
uh, everybody's like really chill. Like one guy was like making, you know, he was writing rhymes about like Rugrats and like breakfast cereal. And like that got as much reaction as like the gunplay, you know what I mean? So they, yeah. don't, they don't act it like too cool for school, you know what I mean? They like, they have fun with it. So it's like, yeah. I think everybody is there for a good time anyway. Exactly. Well, like, you, uh, you would think, but you go to a lot of like American battle rap events and it's like really people act like it's like a proxy for a war, you know what I mean? Like we're going to go out there, like you, you know, me and the guy I battled, like we were talking afterward, right? And, uh, he, he, and uh, you know, a lot of people were saying, like, man, you know, like, other leagues, no chance you two would be talking. Like, people would actually be bothered if you were talking, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, that'd be, that you know, that would just, like, take away from the illusion y'all actually hate each other. And some of these people, like, go beyond the illusion. They legit hate each other, you know what I mean? And, I mean, that's fine for, like, one battle. Like, two guys aren't really friends. Like, we had... We had one battle where a guy was, like, really, you know, he got into it with another guy. And, like, you know, obviously they're still friends, but they had some beef to, like, clear up. Like, that's fine. That made for a real interesting battle. But, like, uh, you can't have that, like, every time. Like, I'm, I'm going to show up with my guns, you know, <laughs> like, and yeah. all this stuff. But, yeah, it was a, it was an experience, man. And, like, that... Like, by the way, uh, choking, far more terrifying than, like, having a breakdown on EPT in front of, like, millions of people and, like, having Joe <laughs> Stapleton mock you. Like, much, much – because, like, you know one is BS and you know one's actually your fault. You know what I mean? And it's like – but, yeah, that was a it was a crazy experience, man, when you're just, like – like, just to be, like, this dorky white kid and, like, to go up there and just, like, drop bars and have people react. Like, it was just – insane like it was just <laughs> such a good it's feeling yeah, yeah it was a good feeling it was a good feeling it was a it's a good experience now i gotta come up with some new ones i i don't know where you go from that one like i don't know parachuting off a hot balloon i don't know how you <laughs> i don't know how i'm gonna feel that high again bungee jumping or yeah. know, rob, robbing a bank i guess there's heroin <laughs> you know there's actually yeah yeah heroin. there is that there's actual, actual heroin. heroin you know i can be like the people yeah people keep speaking about like oh it was like so a heroin high <laughs> just get the heroin high. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I know yeah. Yeah, you and i are from seattle and scotland so we should be able to arrange this you know what i mean yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah should be pretty should be pretty easy uh, yeah, for the for the minors, we're not uh, condoning the use of drugs. Yeah, anyway. it's pretty bad. I really wish I had a lot of my friends that did drugs, but you know they're gone now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on that note, uh, thanks. For, <laughs> l l let's pick up a bit. Um, <laughs> uh, let's okay. Let's get into the questions and uh, see if you see if you, you don't choke, Alex. On this, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, um, anonymous from last week. I've got notes here, so we promised this guy sent in some questions, and we were dealing with uh, his sort of like situation. He was changing from, if I remember rightly, he was changing from playing cash live to like playing tournaments live and online and stuff. And we were talking about um, him, and he did have a couple more parts at the end that I said we would pick up at the start of the show. So let's go for that. Um, that was episode 62, previous episode. So he also has, uh, my plan for live is to mostly focus on the 500 to 5K buy-in tournaments around the East Coast area. What are some things to keep in mind for online versus live tournaments? What adjustments to make generally at what buy Oh no, there's another bit there. So like that's the next bit. Okay. okay. Uh, so yeah, what, what adjustments should he be looking to make from... 
between online and also live tournaments in that sort of buy-in range. Man, you better send me a fruit basket to my house or something, man. I feel like this is like a 22-part question. This is like when yeah. <laughs> this is like when you're the doctor at the party and everybody makes you do a checkup. No, I'm just playing, but like it's a we haven't had a question this thorough, so I had to give you a bit of a hard time. We haven't had one in a little while. Um, something I did for like the live circuit. I was never really a big like live guy, although I really did love, you know, like 1920, like going around to like all the EPT stops and going around. I did do it a little stateside a bit, you know, and it was like it was cool being in like upstate New York and stuff like that, seeing parts of the country I probably otherwise wouldn't have had a reason to see. But uh, something I did is I really quickly like figured out like what my uh, what my like hourly rate was as far as uh, live cash games, right? And you got to be playing a lot of live cash to be justifying playing a lot of these MTTs. I'd stick to the lower end of the spectrum. Like the $500 MTTs are like really good. So you can play that. Let's say your hourly is, uh, let's say your hourly is like $40, right? Well, it's like, well, I got to play a session that's like, you know, I got, I got to play 13 hours and then, you know, I can play the $500 MTT. This is not a perfect uh, 13 hours of cash. Then I can play a $500 MTT. This is not a perfect uh, system by any means, but it does ensure, like, this isn't, like, scientifically proven to keep you from going broke. But it is a good way to make sure you're diversifying enough so that hopefully you can keep yourself afloat. I used a system similar to this, and it kept, my, uh, kept myself afloat. Um, the 500s to 5k along the East coast, these are good tournaments, but remember it could be five, 10 years before you see your expectation come to fruition when it comes to live tournaments. So I've, again, like basing your life around, it's going to be very difficult. I think you really have to pick up how to play live cash. Uh, I think that really has to be a passion for you. I think you have to, uh, you have to really be studying like body tells and like just be discussing hands as often as possible and like trying to take advantage of like every little edge you can. And a lot of times the best game is going to be like the two five game. You know what I mean? It's not going to be the five ten game. It's not going to be the ten twenty. And uh, you got to be willing. There's a lot of times like, you know, like people would make fun of me. Like what is Alex doing in the 200, you know, like the 200 NL game or whatever like that when there's five ten going, but you got to be not afraid to look stupid. You got to be like looking to make the money. You know what I mean? And like trying to sock away the money. I think a big focus on cash here is really what's going to keep you a bit more evened out. And uh, I, I would, uh, uh, again, I would also, if you can, like pick up online, I would, I would pick up online poker and, you know, try to put in some hours as far as that. You can get away. Uh, you can get away with a lot less time is what I was going to say. But really, you can get a lot more practice for a lot cheaper, typically in the online realm. So what's the next part? The next part was generally at what buy-ins are the levels of play about equal for live and online. For cash, I've heard that players at a 1-2 NL game online will often beat 10 to 25 game players. Yeah, I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. I think like 1-2 online could beat like 5-10 uh, live. I think like 5-10 live is... Uh, uh, I, I think 510 Live is when you start seeing a lot of like the professional players come in because the typical live play, uh, the typical uh, live uh, professional player likes to come in at about the 510 level, whereas the typical like professional that comes in uh, plays one two online. 
it, it also depends on the site you're discussing. Like one two on Stars is vastly more difficult than one two on America's Card Room. Like one two on America's Card Room, you'll still have a lot of people like playing fifty three nine, like Limit of Calling, and stuff like that. So a lot of like very basic people can make money at the game. But uh, it's it's not really going to be. Uh, I I think really at five ten is where you're going to see that big uh, breakdown. Yeah, I was thinking the guy said he was playing. He was a winning cash player um, right. live. I he would probably be better uh, playing the online. You know, with the rake back and cash and stuff like that in terms of time and getting a more balanced life and stuff, you know? Yeah, that's true. Like, it's more balanced, uh, especially, like, well, you think about it, a lot of people are like, well, I play 5'10", man, where if I play 5'10 online, I'll get killed. And it's like, yeah, the people who play 5'10", like, I was playing a 2-4 game a couple weeks ago, and I was just like, man, I can't play 2-4 anymore. And it's not, I mean, maybe I have an edge in the games. Maybe I don't. I really didn't stick around long enough to find out. I, I, I certainly was losing when I was playing 2-4 uh, recently, Although that doesn't really mean much of anything, but I was like, man, these guys are like really good. Like, you know, mm. like, like these are clear, clearly the twenty-five, fifty guys who, uh, you know, came in off full tilt and you, you know, when Black Friday happened, and they they can play pretty well. But then I was playing like hundred and L, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I could teach my poodle to beat these stakes. You know what I mean? Like this is, mm-hmm. and it's like you're playing five ten. That's a thousand dollar buy-in. You man, you play like ten. Uh, 100 NL tables, that's a $1,000 investment as well. And the most you can lose at any one time is $100, right? $200 if you double up your stake. And uh, a lot of this stuff, yeah, does does translate. And the rake back is much more... The rake is very significant live because they obviously have to pull a little bit more in for each pot, especially for the jackpots and stuff like that. And then they also... Uh, you got to dip tip the t- the dealers right, and uh, sorry, I was about to sneeze. Didn't didn't mean to didn't mean to choke up right there. You, you choked your I, sneeze. I, I, yeah, I did. I choked. I choked. Man. Hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. What's my first word? What's my first word? But yeah, anyway, uh, they uh, uh, yeah, like uh, you got to tip the dealers and all that. It becomes really expensive. Whereas it, even if you're playing like fifty nl. Let's say you play 50 in L and you play 10 tables. That's still like a $500 buy, and that's still pretty significant. If you, the balance of life is much more efficient when you're playing like uh, you're playing more tables. And one two is still like really soft on America's Card Room. And then like uh, you know there are like really soft games that appear like after that. Like once you you know like two four or higher. Once you uh, once you feel like you're much more uh, acquainted with uh, the software and with playing online. Okay. Um, well, that's enough for that guy. I mean, <laughs> you've, ran, you've ran into two shows, mate. You've had a, yeah, that, that's your lot. I uh, know I'm joking. Uh, Mr. Anonymous, we hope that's answered your question. And if there's anything else you want Alex to expand on, or maybe I've picked you up wrong from your email or something, then, then do get in touch and let us know there. There is no limit to the questions you can send in. Um, okay, next question we're going to go for is Sean Connor, um, who has emailed in before, because I, rem- I remember that name. Um, Hello, fellas. Still loving the podcast. I've listened to every single one, including all of Barry's interviews, and it's one of the bed po- best podcasts around. Anyway, enough nut kissing. <laughs> I have a question for Alex. 
I'm a cash game player currently playing 25 NL. For a couple of years, I treaded water on poker stars at 10 NL. Anyway, the past few months, I've started playing on sites like Unibet and BetSafe, and I've increased my bankroll by around 60%, mainly due to the softer player pools. This is great, of course, and I know I shouldn't really be finding problems with this situation. However, I have one concern. A site like Unibet doesn't allow HUDs, so this leaves me with no option to analyse my game. Obviously, I want to win at poker, but I do worry in the long term I won't improve as a player and will get left behind the pack in comparison to the regs playing on the big sites that allow HUDs. Is my concern warranted, or am I just being soft and just worrying about getting in games I can beat? No, there's uh, there's certainly a valid reason for why you're worrying about that. There was a time, there was a site where you couldn't get a HUD I mean, you couldn't really get a cash out unless you knew somebody, right? And a lot of people I was playing on this site with, like, they, they, were, they were, like, loading it in, and it was like they could cash out through local sports books, right? But a lot of them would do it in, like, literally Siberia. And, like, they didn't, weren't really sure how they were going to get the money out. So they would run the money up, and they'd gamble up, and it was a really nice site. But there were no HUDs allowed. There wasn't anything really allowed. And what ended up happening was I played for a year on this site. I made a ton of money. Then, uh, you know, I moved to Europe like, all right, time to take my shot when it comes to, like, uh, live MPTs. And I, I, I almost went broke, like, within the first, like, couple months because uh, I just didn't know what I was doing anymore because I was uh, – I hadn't really, like, trained myself, right? And I tried to, like, play on the Euro sites with HUDs, and I was getting manhandled. Uh, I, I was getting mauled, you know, I was really, I, I, I was not doing well. So mm. uh, it, there is, uh, it, you do want to strike a balance. Like you can play on like Sky Poker and Unibet and stuff like that and just make your money. But you do want to also play on like softer sites with a HUD. Uh, if you, you're in Europe, the schedule that really works for a lot of people is like 888 in Titan. If you're in the United States, I really recommend America's Card Room. Uh, and that's not just because they're our sponsor. Like I, that's the side I play at the most too. Uh, just because there's a lot going on, I really enjoy it. And it's one of the few sites that still gives you right back. And uh, there you can use HUDs, but a lot of people don't use HUDs because they they're just lazy. You know what I mean? There uh, there's a lot of like uh, there there's a lot of like American regs that are like I don't need a HUD, bro. You know, like, I, I don't, it, it's really weird. They're like, man, I've been playing poker for like eight years. And it's like, I'm sure a lot of people that are forced to retire have been playing for 20. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I've i never understood that argument. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it's, it, you know, there's a lot of people that don't use HUDs. There's a lot of people that just never had to learn to use a HUD that well because, like, America's, card room has such a soft player base it's like ooh, i got this one little trick on my hud and that's all you really need right if you're like me and you like you were trained on how to use a hud in like poker stars it's like learning classical music in germany and then like going to play in like uh well i'm gonna end up insulting some other country but so i'm gonna have to choose not not to answer that one but no i mean uh i read an article recently about how uh, opera singers are doing really well in China because, like, they, they just started learning about opera, right? And you get somebody who's been training classically in a very tough environment, 
and they move to China, and it's like we've never even heard opera in some of these provinces. You know, you're you're just way ahead of the game, and it's a lot like that. Like if you've actually like trained on the HUD, you don't have to like play on a Poker Stars or something, but you can watch uh, my training videos on CardRunners.com. Use promo code Free Month all capital letters to get. I have a whole thing about HUDs on that. Uh, just how to use all the different statistics, how to work them together to get desired results, to know mm. what your opponent has. Uh, you know, I built my own HUD for you guys, and uh, it, it's really, you know, uh, well, well, the it, programmers built it with some of my input, you know what I mean, with a lot of my, you know what would be cool in a HUD? And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you can grasp how to use all that stuff and you take it to a site like America's card room, uh, like a really soft site, you know, you'll still be, you'll, you'll still be crushing. You might be crushing more than when you don't, cause when you don't have a HUD, what ends up happening is you got to play on autopilot all the time, which also gets really boring. At some point, it's just a really boring way to play the game. And, uh, and also exploitable, really. Yeah, really and, exploitable. In terms of the regs, like, using the HUD, and you're playing on autopilot, you become pretty transparent. At you? some point, yeah, when you try to move to other sites, and I can always tell the guys that aren't using the HUD. So it, it's, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I think your concern is very logical. I would recommend that you, uh, you do start playing on some softer sites with the HUD to see how that works for you. And the thing about the HUD, we discussed it last time, just you touched on it in the previous answer you gave Alex as well about the live game in terms of studying things like body tells and like how much you buy into that and how accurate you're going to be. Obviously, it's up for debate, but even if you get the slightest little edge on anyone, then that adds up over, especially online when you're playing so many hands. So, right. like I remember, I didn't play with a HUD until um, a few weeks or a month or two before I actually started speaking with yourself and got my first lesson with you in that and just the change I, I mean honestly I would put it down to that I was a losing player before I got the HUD and then I got the HUD now I, it wasn't solely to that but it just opened up it was like a knock-on effect of like I started using it so I started thinking more about what right, the number right. means you know like when you start thinking what does that number mean and you're like oh yeah that means that well I know what that is kind of intuitively but now it, I I can put like a number on it and understand you know things like that. I think it just gets you thinking better and playing better. And then even when you go and play live, all right, there's no HUD as such, but you're you're a better player if you know what I mean. Oh just man, because... even even without the HUD, like people are always like, wow, it's amazing you do well when they're what. Like my HUD turned off on my Twitch channel like a few weeks back, and I ended up winning the tournament on uh, eight 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 anyway. And they were like, oh, it's amazing you can do something without your super odd. And it's like, well, you know, like if it says like, the, you know, the guy, it says like he opens 35% of the hands. That means he opens like this set of hands, right? So it's like if I see some guy raise from early position, let's say this, right? Like I'm playing live and I see a guy raise from early position like King Jack offsuit. And that lets me know he's opening... 16, 17% of the hands easily, right? In which case, I know I can come back and do a lot versus that range that a lot of other people are not going to be doing. Like, a lot of people will see ace-jack versus that person, 
and be like, oh, I cannot play Ace Jack versus an Under the Gun race. It's like, well done, you know, speaking in platitudes, as always gets a real pinpoint response to a very exacting game. Well done. You know, and I, I, I'm sure that makes you feel real smart when you repeat it on 2 plus 2. It doesn't really mean anything. And, like, I don't have the luxury of being, like, this poker snob in my parents, uh, in the bedroom my parents allow me to still live in when I'm 34 years old. I have to be very <laughs> exacting. And it's like, I, and I know, by the way, a lot of people are like, you're really brutal with a lot of those people. It's like, I hate, hate, I hate people that rag on other people who are chasing their dreams, right? I don't mm-hmm. care if you're a fan. Like, I like a lot of the fans, right? And there's nothing wrong with living in your house, to be honest. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, if, if you're like saving up money to like make a run at it, but you know, there's a lot of people that just go, I can't believe you do this. You are horrible. And it's, uh, if you actually like learn about how to play the game, you look at the, you look at the mathematics behind it and you actually like teach yourself, you're going to find that's like really wrong. And it's, uh, I'm liking we're starting to come into a day and age where like those people have like less of a ground to stand on. Like even like a lot of people are realizing, you know, the duh standard types like really are, well, first of all, they don't win at poker anymore because there's just less dead money. And uh, eventually, you know, their, their parents get angry at them, like living in their basement and they're like, go get a job. And they don't have as much time to sit around, you know, quote unquote playing poker, which really means like trolling the forums for, new players they seem to hate but can't seem to stop talking about, you know. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, in, uh, I, I wouldn't have been able to do a lot of the things that I do live if I didn't understand the HUD and understand hand ranges as they're translated to percentages and what you can do with that. And uh, so, yeah, it really does improve your overall game. Mm-hmm. Def- definitely. I mean, I even found that myself, you know, I, I'm a big fish. Um, so uh, okay well we hope that answers your question Sean and uh, again you know anything else you want to say or add to that then then send it in next question is it's from another regular actually it's your famous uh, not famous infamous one that always makes you think of yeah uh, yeah yeah let's move on yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know know who it is I've stripped up enough on that to be like yeah yeah Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, heads up, sitting goes. Uh, Alex and Barry, I'm playing lots of heads up, sitting goes right now. I know these are all about adjusting to your opponents. One opponent type that I have a hard time adjusting to is the constant min opener, and it's really tough when they also call every three bet pre because they have position on the button. How would you recommend to adjust to these uh, player types? Keep up the great work, Sky. I'm such a fish. I should have never said anything about that because you like bag <laughs> on me. You like bag. Nah, nah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, uh, the the key here is to flat bet more from the big blind. If they if you end up three betting more, then you're playing your biggest pots out of position, which really benefits the other opponent, which is what they want you to be doing, right? Uh, one way I get my opponents to play bigger pots out of position these days is to like 2.5x from the button a lot of the time. Uh, a lot of people consider it like sacrilegious uh, heads up, but if everybody just calls me, I have the card runners EV readouts that show like the guy's got to be like superhuman to make up for that initial investment out of position in order to turn a profit later on. And most people are just not capable of doing such a thing. 
Uh, now, the old school way of getting you to play bigger pots out of position was to min-raise. And what would happen is it used to be nobody would call like 2.5x raises, but they would call 2x raises, and nobody would 3-bet 2.5x raises willy-nilly, but they would 3-bet 2x raises. So it ended up becoming a way to make you play more out of position and play bigger pots out of position than if the person just 2.5x. I think that's reversed now. I think a lot of people will 3-bet a bit more to 2.5x because they think there's more money to make. I think they'll call more just because for some reason now it's cool to call from the big blind, even though there's like no evidence that there, there's no equitable evidence. It's a good idea in many cases. Uh, but you know, don't fold your big blind. You're getting good pot odds. That's the flavor of the month this week, you know, so don't do it. And, uh, your backer is going to be mad at you for a new arbitrary reason. And, uh, but the old school way is to 2x, and one way you can play right into it is 3-betting too much and letting the person flat you. Um, now, the 3-bets uh, need to be bigger if you're 3-betting out of position. You can 3-bet like uh, – uh, if you 3-bet like a concerted range, uh, if you 3-bet 2.5x or higher, even you probably should go to 3x. You can still turn a profit, but if you're expanding that range to like uh, – 13, 14, 15% of your hands, what's going to end up happening is on uh, a majority of boards, more than 60% of the time, uh, you're uh, close to 60% or more than that. Uh, you're just not going to have anything on many of these boards, right? And uh, if you're three betting that wide and the person knows that and he's in position, he can just call and wait till you give up and then he can try to take it or he can raise you, and he knows this, so he's taking advantage of it. What's usually a bit better idea, in my opinion, is you just, uh, uh, you just end up calling, and you do three-bet more. You do need to three-bet a little bit more, but what I end up doing is I fold a lot more from the big blind than a lot of people. I just like refuse to play as many pots out of position, you still got to defend with like, if you have Jack two suited, like that's still good enough to flat like a min raise, but like, you know, you don't have to flat like uh carte blanche, anything. And uh, eventually you just don't play big pots out of position. And nine guys out of 10 will start getting pissed off and they'll start forcing the issue thinking they're going to win when they're out of position and that's really a good idea. A lot of the times, if you just try not to play your big pots uh, out of position and you just play the waiting game, the guy will do something ridiculous at some point or another. And I think that's how you can win more first play. I think, like, uh, if I check my pocket fives, I think I have more first place finishes than, like, second. Uh, actually, I should check. I, let me look that up really quick. But... I think I have a lot more first place finishes than second or third. And I think it's pretty much just that strategy. You know what I mean? Just like waiting for them to start forcing the action and doing something that they shouldn't be doing and yeah. not really getting out of their way. Let's see. Uh, let's see. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how to check this anyway. I'm not really good with the whole, I know some guys like check their pocket fives like every day, but I don't really know how to do that. But, yeah, I have 58 first places and, like, 40 second places and 32 thirds. So, like, as you can see, when I get to the final three, I win. 
uh, a lot more than I think. And by the way, that's missing a couple first on America's Card Room. Shout out to Bucket Fives for missing all my wins on America's Card Room. Anyway, it's uh, <laughs> there and uh, missing me winning W. So PC, it's missing me. I love Shark Scope, and it, it will track every single one of my like buy-ins to like live event sats, and it doesn't track me winning any of them. So, like, it shows my ROI is, like, 20%. It easily should be 25, 30, you know what I mean? Like, in high stakes poker, which, like, 30% would just be, like, monstrously good for high stakes. But that's why I get so, like, when people, like, want to, like, discuss numbers, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, you're clearly running bad on uh, stars or or you're not running bad. You suck on stars. It's like, well... You know, like, I don't even know if it recorded everything, you know what I mean? By the way, I could be more negative than that. I don't know. Like, I, I could be, you know, it's, uh, and uh, it's like, oh, playing, you know, playing, I, I love this. Oh, you only play W Coop and Scoop, and somehow you don't have millions of dollars. You suck. And it's uh, <laughs> like, okay, like, uh, the fact I still have buy-ins for each one of those when it comes around should mean something, but any, yeah. anywho, uh, well, that this goes on to. I mean, we spoke about the guy not send, you know, sending in multiple questions. Our favorite Sky has actually added a couple more questions as well in here. All right, um, let's go. So, so we got into them, and this one just links seamlessly to what you just said. Do you respond to rude douches in the chat, or do you just block their chat? I just have my chat off. I mean, I, 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 I just can't stand it. I can't. Like, it, it, nobody like. All the people I'd really like to talk to through poker do not talk through chat because they're either playing too many tables, they're too focused, or like they just, you know, they don't want to like expose who they really are. Uh, there, yeah. there are some people I do want to talk to, but it, it just ends up not happening as much as I'd like. But oh my god, everybody and their mother has an opinion for, especially like if you're the guy who's like. Your thing is like you're the poker consultant, you're the poker coach. If I do anything that doesn't fit what they think is correct poker, like it's just, you know, it's, you know, like you don't play the way I think you should play. You're terrible. You're going to be broke soon. It's like, yeah, you know how many times I've done her that crap, man? Like, I mean, you know, and it's like, I don't want to sit there and argue. You know what I mean? It's uh, every, everybody's got like a pithy parting shot. And it's, you know, it's uh, you, the thing you got to realize is it's just like forum trolls. Like a lot of these people are oh. not real people. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just, you know, most of the, the most of the good people just don't really have time to talk or like. Well, a lot of most of, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, Alan. yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I, no. I was saying most of the people that I've got time to sit and chat on, like, I, I thought stars was always bad for it. Like, I remember getting to like final tables and it just floods, and it's people like, oh, you've won good money, you've done well. Please send me like ten dollars, and you know, uh, oh, like you know, you've won this. Like, you need to send me that. You know, like I love, I love that logic. I love that logic. Yeah. yeah, like because I've done like I ain't got bills. Like, hey mom, yo, yo. <laughs> yo, 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 yo mom, I couldn't grab you milk and bread, but it's all right, man. This guy named Bernie in uh know, you know, Alberta. <laughs> he said I re- he really deserved it, you know why? I don't know. I can't I can't imagine like I I, I can't 
I, I just can't imagine that. Like, I've begged for, like, loans before and felt, like, pretty useless. But, like, I've always paid it back, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I mean, I've been in some very bad spots financially, but I've never, like, been, you know what I mean? I, I've had this happen where it's, like, when I was, you know, I was doing really well. I bankrolled my friends, and I took care of them, and I, like, you know, bought their baby shoes and crap like that. Like, you know, and then, like, paid their water, their their electricity and you know like put them in a home whatever and then like when I wasn't doing that well and they were doing that they were doing well you know like I got the you know what man you're washed up every dollar I'd give on you man would just be wasted Alex and it's like well man ain't that convenient for you you know what I mean like that you don't have to do anything you right and like I've you know I, like, but I never went up to them like, I deserve money from you. It was still their choice, you know what I mean? Yeah. I wasn't like, just because you won something now, even when I probably had a big part of that, you know, they they used to come to my house, they used to eat my food, they used to watch me play tournaments, I used to teach them, you know what I mean? Even though, you know, I probably deserved a lot of that. Like, I mean, actually, I'm getting real faded right now thinking of how much money is owed to me. Like, I can't. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times, like, I, I can't, I, I cannot tell you how much, like, people, like, just rob me, like, straight out rob me. And it's, like, now these days, like, it's not that bad, but it's, like, it's, like, something you have to contain. You know what I mean? I don't know when everybody became this way, where they deserve something. They deserve, it's, like, man, you don't deserve anything. There's a lot of guys that are far more educated than you in much more impoverished countries that are, like, I'm sure Syria has a lot of uh, people that could have been Rhodes Scholars if they spoke English, you know what I mean? Right now, they're just like, uh, you know, they're just trying to get through the border and not get shot, you know, in a lot of different parts of Europe. And it's like, you're going to sit here and tell me in your little air-conditioned room, i got to take care of you? You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like, it, it's just, I can't tell you, it's just stupid crap, too. It's like, uh, I'll bring over an air conditioner into the house, right? And, like, me and the person, like, don't get along, like, a little while later. And I, like, call up, you know, and I'm like, hey, where's my air conditioner? And they're like, I sold it. And I'm like, yo, you ain't going to send me the money or whatever? Nope. You know, like, just, or they don't even do that. They're like, oh, we'll do it tomorrow. You know, they don't, if they told me no, I'd actually have some respect for them. You know what I mean? I'd, yeah. I'd be like, yeah. uh, I, I, I'd, I'd be I, I, but they're just like, yeah, yeah, I'll get it to you tomorrow. Like never, never happens. Like, by the way, they didn't even tell me they sold my own crap. You know what I mean? And they, they got a bunny of mine. Like he kept borrowing money from me. Right. And like, it would be some, like I gave him $600 and then like a month later he gave me like 625 or something like that. Right. He understood he had to give me interest or something. Right. And like, he was like, man, I just want to let you know, uh, uh it, how much this means to me and stuff like that. And then, I said something which like really deeply saddened me. I'm like, you're like the one guy who pays me back. Like everybody else, I like, if I loan money to a friend, it's just gone. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's just, it's never coming back. And then it, it, you know, and it's not like I have that many friends, but like, uh, you know, there's a lot of times like I'm like acquaintances with someone and they seem cool and they ask for like a money. I always make sure I only loan an amount of money I can part with. Because nine times out of ten, I never see it again. And, like, if I do see the person, it's real awkward. You know, and then yeah. if I, like, you know, if I press them, then I'm an, I, I'm the j jerk. You know, and it's like, I don't know when society became like that. They Like, could you imagine our I don't know about your parents are like, 
You know, even my parents and like all their faults. Oh fuck! Never give my dad a loan of money. You'll never see it again. Really? No. Yeah. No, my, my <laughs> uh, uh, most of my, uh, yeah. I mean, like, well, there's certain things like my mom will ask to borrow money, but we're like, I think she's trying to be polite. You know what I mean? Like, she doesn't want to say like, could you just give me money because that doesn't seem kosher. But I'm always, you know, I always got to be like, mom, like, are you are you are you serious? You know what I mean? But like, like. Uh, a lot of, like, our grandparents, I'm pretty sure, like, if you borrow money in, like, small-town America and you didn't pay it back, I'm pretty sure there would have been a bit more of a comeuppance than now, you know? It's like, well... I, I think there's a lack of shame now, though. Yeah, right? exactly. There's a lack of shame, yeah. And if yeah. you shame you someone, you're a jerk. Be like, yeah, 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 that's it. I think... And this entitled thing, like we spoke about before, like, people, you know, like... For all I'm on Twitter and things like that, and like you see it, these people that post things in our Facebook, like I deleted everybody off Facebook, so I, <laughs> I don't see it. I don't see it as much now, but like I just got tired of like people post like, yeah, I'm this, this, that, like boss life, and you know, I'm the, and you're looking going seriously, like. Fool, you what owe me fuck? twenty bucks. Oh, oh, yeah, like... it's, it's not just that. It's it's like this entitlement, like. Yeah, everybody thinks they should be like reality stars or something. Yeah, yeah or, if, or or worse, everybody thinks they're reality stars. Yeah, and nobody sure. gives a fuck, really. Yeah, and know? I mean the thing that is something that I've been noticing. Like I read while my like wife is like watching. You know, she she watches TV and like she keeps up with her medical journals and stuff like that, right? But she'll like, you know, she'll. She she's one of these crazy people that could like do open heart surgery, read a medical journal and watch her latest novella and keep track of all of them. Right. And she like, you know, and I'm like, I'm paying attention to like the TV show. She watches, watches like American TV shows. She watches like, you know, she's really into like she's really into like the like the shows where they like fix up houses and stuff like that, like a real wide range. And I was like, I was I remembered this old phrase I was like fiction is friction right there's always got to be some kind of problem I'm like there's never a time they go to like gut one of these houses and there's not like a problem with the wiring there's not a problem with like something you know what I mean and I was like what's the effect of this on people where it's like you turn on TV and there's literally not a there's a problem in every scene between people there's an argument in every scene you know what I mean? And then, like, I, you know, there's a lot of times I just can't hang out with certain people because it's just constant drama. But, like, I don't know if I should be able to be, like, I, I should be, like, blaming them. You know what I mean? Because that's, like, all they feed on. You know what I mean? I'm like, you know, and a, uh -huh. a lot of people are, like, why, what, you know, I don't want to hate on people that, like, watch TV, but I just can't do it. You know what I mean? I just... Like, you're going through a tough time in your life. Are you going to go back to a book that meant a lot to you, or are you going to go back to Breaking Bad Season 3, Episode 2, you know? What really yeah. does mean that much to you? And this also, I wanted to go back to this, and it's like, you know, a lot of people are like, I need the money, man. You don't need the money. I love this logic. It's like, you know, there's some kids in my neighborhood that really need a job. They, they need a job more than anyone. They also happen to be crackheads. You know what I mean? And if I let them come into my house and, like, I was like, you're my new personal assistant. Here's access to all my financial data. I'm going to be broke within a couple of days. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just because you need something doesn't mean anything to me. And I'm sorry. That's not how the world works. 
the way the world works is like two people have a need and you trade for it. And there's a lot of times that you trade for it and you both end up getting more than you, you know, than you needed, right? There's a, you know, uh, there's a, like when I worked at an Arby's, like when I worked at like a really crappy, like fast food restaurant, you know, what I received was more than just the crappy, you know, they were paying me minimum wage, right? Which was like $7 or something. Now it wasn't, I certainly didn't expect to make a living working at this fast food restaurant, like a lot of people seem to think they should, right? But like the education I got was like how to work in a workforce, how to cook, how to talk to the public, how to like keep a schedule, how to work with my boss, how to, you know, just a lot of things that gave me a work ethic. A lot of my, pe- a lot of my friends, like you listen, you read a biography, you read a biography by someone who's been successful. Not one of these biographies starts with, and then I was 27 and smoking weed on my mother's couch every day of the week, and I decided this needs to change. No, on, I, they always started working at 14, 15, 16, and they worked a lot. They got a work ethic from it, right? And your entry-level job is supposed to teach you about work ethic. And I was blessed enough, even though it was a fast food restaurant, there was a real culture of, like, wash your hands. The customers are important to us treat people with respect sir ma'am you know stuff like that if the customer has a problem here are these coupons don't feel you know be make sure they leave here happy smile don't be an asshole that was like the big thing like you are not more important than anybody if these people come and they're having a bad day you try and make them have a good day that's good business, you know what I mean? And it was good stuff, and it taught me a lot. And I got more out of this deal. I got a ton out of it. They got a ton out of it. And it was a lot more than what we would have got if we both sat home and stayed home. And that's, you know, that's really what you're out for. But everybody instead is just out for, like, the gimme, 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 gimme. And, like, they're not trading anything in return. And that robs you, you know what I mean? If you have this magic wand that you just, like, tapped, and it's like, here's the... You know, why do so many lottery winners, like, blow out their brains? You know what I mean? You didn't work or do anything to earn it. So once you get it, there's this insidious feeling of, like, I didn't deserve this. You know what I mean? And everybody comes around, like, you didn't deserve this. Give me a little of that now, right? And uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, if there's no challenge to anything, there's no – you don't feel anything. It's like why when you're in space – you know, they, they have to start using those rubber bands as weights, you know, because when there's no resistance, the muscle just atrophies. But now we have this culture where we act like nobody deserves anything, you know, like nobody deserves anything. How are you, you know, uh, how are you going to act like you deserve this home? How are you going to act like that? And it's like, well, you know, from like day-to-day business, I got to be treating people with respect. But when I want to come home and feel, you know, if I earn something, you're right. Like, if I can't feel good about myself, who can? If I earned yeah. what I had in life and I don't feel good about myself, what hope is there for anybody else? But we tell people, you don't deserve that feeling. You know, gimme, 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 gimme. And yeah, okay, there's my customary rant. I didn't feel like, <laughs> I wasn't sure I would get, I would get one in. I was a little more tired. You've no problem. You've no problem choking on the right style. Yeah, I know. I'm a great feeling. I'm a great. I'm a great freestyler when I don't have to rhyme anything. You know. Do you know what I was just thinking? What you should have did, like when you were, like you couldn't remember, 
you should have let that like pregnant pause sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then threw in some sort of like what? made out that you'd staged that. You thought because yeah. I was the white person here, I was going to choke her. <laughs> you know, that would have been quite. That's what you know. If you'd been able, I know, like in the heat of the moment, but that would have been cool yeah, if you'd really just been like everybody's like tumbleweed thinking you're like you know obviously you know i state you thought i was going in a choke yeah, like the i was the only white person yeah, here yeah that's hard, fake choke that's hard to pull off with people like actually it's really weird. It, like yeah. people get a real like horse sense like when it's a real because cho- like it's really hard to simulate the look of panic like <laughs> when it comes, there's a few guys that do it really well if you guys ever watch this battle it's uno lavos versus purpose there's a great fake choke in that that I I've just always loved, right? It, it's it, it's hilarious. Like, but anyway, yeah. There, uh, man, we should just talk about battle rap and nothing yeah, on this new battle, the new battle rap podcast. Um, he does have last question. Go for here, it, man. And it is technical, so so let's do it, and then we'll close it off at that. All right. Um, okay. When heads up, how do you adjust to a player who defends close to a hundred percent in the big blind? Should you open bigger with strong hands and limp with yep. weaker hands? There you, you go. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> okay. You got it. You got it. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean... I got jumpy there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you tighten up your range in order to see the flop with a much stronger range than him? If he's not flop uh, honest and calls most C-bets, how does this change your pre-flop play? You guys are super sky, so sure. since he's so nice, we're... Yeah, Matsuhaki, I think. Is yeah, that the Matsu- yeah, yeah, it's uh, Ma- Matsuhashi or something. Matsuhashi, Matsuhashi which is yeah. like, uh, any, what, what is it? He named himself, I, I, I think they pick, like, if he's Japanese, I think he picked a westernized name, so he picked Sky, which is, like, that's pretty, I thought that, I think that's pretty ballsy, that's pretty cool, you know what I mean? What is it? Was sorta he did he didn't go for that like what was it I think that's sky in Japanese ah, I remember something from my three damn years that I can't remember anything else from but anyway it was uh like it, it sounds like you got a dream opponent here honestly what you got to do is value bet more thinly so like if you get third pair that might be a three streets hand you know what I mean and there's a lot of times uh, I, I I would just go for three streets in this particular situation. If they're defending that much, I really like your idea to limp. Uh, the other thing is, like, you can really open up your, like, pot controlling range, right? So, like, if you have, like, king high and a backdoor flush draw, a lot of times I'll put that into my pot control range because it used to be a good idea to, like, barrel that because if you hit your, you know, if you, bet, if you started going into the backdoor flush draw on the turn, you could fire again on the turn and then you could win the pot. And uh, but that's probably not going to happen as much here. So that additional equity you pick up on the turn isn't going to mean as much because you don't have nearly as much fold equity. So I, a lot more times I'll just like check back and like see further cards. And I think that's a great idea. I think that's a great way to work it. And uh, yeah, you have a bit of a dream opponent. Uh, be sure to value bet a little more thinly. Uh, I think you can limp in when you just have like weaker hands, especially if the guy never raises. I would raise bigger when you do have like decent hands. If the guy's not gonna adjust, the guy's not gonna adjust. This is a this is a dream situation, you know. I would just go after it, and uh, yeah, good luck to you. Okay, well that's all the time we got for questions today. There won't be a show next week. We're going to take uh, 
a week break for Halloween. I'm off to sacrifice some goats and <laughs> uh, <laughs> things like that for Halloween. Uh, I get right into it. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm just going to watch like my, a couple of horror my, films. My wife forced me to buy a... Well, to sacrifice a goat. Yeah, no, yeah. not that, not that. Uh, she forced me to buy this, like, pirate outfit or something like that. So All right. be sure to watch that on Facebook and laugh at me. But, yeah, she, <laughs> she like, she wouldn't leave the, she wouldn't leave the Target without it. Like, it was really, and then I, like, got home and I was, like, looking at my financial statements and, like, I got charged for something else. But then, like, I was trying to buy my mom's groceries. And I was on the phone telling her, hey, give me a day or two to get your groceries. I can't on this card that I usually use stateside. And she's like, what you, would you buy that made it so you couldn't get my groceries? I was like, I bought a pirate outfit at Target. <laughs> you know, and then she was like, what? <laughs> like, she was like, very funny. What would you get? And I was like, a pirate outfit at Target. Like, and then, but, yeah, by the way, she's a – she she's got her she's got her groceries. Don't worry, everything's solved. <laughs> um, okay, so Alex, how can people get in touch with you for private coaching, uh, analysis, and your Twitch stuff? All all the good uh, assassinato content and material. A lot of content, guys. Uh, for private lessons, be sure to hit me up at assassinatocoaching at gmail dot com. We have a couple different types going on right now for a pure hand history review. Like you just come with a hand history and I watch through and I look for like big leaks you might have. It's 150 an hour for like a theoretical lesson. It's $210 for about 60 to 75 minutes. That I look at your database. I look at where I think I could possibly get you like five, ten big blinds more uh, per hundred in the different like positional uh, areas. And uh, where where I think, like, if you're, like, losing 50 big blinds per 100 in the big blind, maybe I could get it down to 30 and significant changes like that, uh, which really do add up to your bottom line. Uh, that's $210 for 60, 75 minutes. And uh, for group lessons, it's $200 for up to five people. So that's that can just be, like, $40 a piece. So if you got, like, a hand history group, that you guys can talk with, you can pick a hand history, and then, you know, we all come together, and we talk, and we talk poker, and in all these lessons, I do share a lot of my, like, webinar materials, now that the webinars have, like, sold as many copies as they pretty much were going to, uh, you know, if you buy those lessons, a lot of times, I'll throw in a webinar or two free, just, you know, because a lot of times, I want to give you guys these classes anyway, and I just don't have the time, so... Instead, I'd like to, uh, I, I'd like to just send you the recording for free, and that can like really help you out. Uh, check out Twitch.tv/TheAssassinato. Uh, we should start streaming uh, next week. I mean, well, this Sunday we're going to be streaming, and then uh, next week we're going to get back into a you know more full schedule. Usually, get in uh, each week about you know eight thousand to twelve thousand dollars worth of tournaments, uh, sometimes more. You know, and uh, if you subscribe for four ninety nine, you can watch me win the hundred rebuy. You can watch me final table the million dollar Sunday, and you can watch me like you can watch me win like twelve dollar tournaments on eight 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 without a HUD if that's more your speed. And uh, yeah, if you favor that channel, it costs you nothing. It gives you a notification every time we're streaming, so you can come and watch. It's essentially you just get to see my screen and hear me do commentary or listen to the music I'm listening to. 
Uh, be sure to fo- follow my hub, my main site, PokerHeadRush.com. Uh, that's kind of the fun site where we got all the trip reports, battle rap, blogs, uh, strategy articles, and just links to a lot of uh, the other stuff we're doing. And check out my training videos on CardRunners.com. Use promo code FREEMONTH, all capital letters, to get two months access to 2,000 plus videos for $30. And be sure to pick up my HUD. We talked about it a bit in this le- uh, We talked about it a bit in this uh, podcast at assassinatohud.com. And uh, yeah, be sure to sign up for America's Card Room. Another way you can get some uh, free webinars, just sign up through our link. You get 27% rate back. There's no sign-up code or anything. Just sign up through the link. And uh, you'll get 27% rake back. Write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com and write me your sign-in name. Write me your email address. And, uh, yeah, we'll hook it up. We'll, uh, we'll send you a free copy of your choice of That's a Check Raise Fool. You flat too much dissecting the donk bet or why Pestagna was right. Please specify which one you want. And if you want to join our mailing list, write us at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com or sign up through the website, PokerHeadRush.com, because we should have some more stuff coming in. And check out America's Card Room blog for a lot of my newer articles, and follow me on Twitter, at The Assassinato. So, yeah, sorry, guys, it was a bit longer, but that's the brass tacks, you know what I mean? We're getting down to brass tacks, you know what I mean? It is, you know, for an hour and ten minutes of content, a minute of plugs, I think, is a very nice ratio. And you yeah. really, you really should check out all that stuff because most of it's free. And it all supports us, you know what I mean? And tell a friend about this podcast, please. Exactly. Good words. Uh, I, I echo those. Um, and, uh, Alex, one more thing uh, I was going to say was if people want to get in, is there anything that you think people should be asking? Uh, I just thought of that last week. What that they should be asking? What? what yeah. Do you... do you think like well, in terms of like what you see, like I know you can't. Obviously, you're still a professional player yourself, and you're playing. But things you see at the tables that like maybe think, wow, people still do that, or people uh, without giving too much away. Is there any like areas that you think some of our listeners should be asking you to discuss, or that you would like to discuss, sort of thing that that, that we've maybe not covered or we don't cover? Uh, I think Zoom poker tournaments are really, like, undervalued when they do come around, like, how much, how exploitable they can be. Uh, I I think, like, uh, three-betting right now, I mean, like, I'll just give you guys everything I think because nobody, like, first of all, not enough people listen and not enough people put in the work. Uh, right, Right now, the big thing is, like, sizings. Uh, essentially, if you 2.5x open, you 2.5x three-bet. If you do a number of, like, equity calcs, you're going to find it's really hard to make up for that. But, like, people are, don't ask me, like, what, when can I flat a 2.5x 3-bet? And, like, the, it, it's pretty extent. It, it's a, it, I, I know this answer, and a lot of people don't really – they flat every 3-bet is the new thing now. Everybody flats every 3-bet. Everybody flats every open. And – I don't really think it's a great idea, and I can tell you uh, that's really a big part of the game. Uh, people don't three-bet bluff nearly as much as they should. People don't check-raise bluff uh, the sizings that they should. Uh, people check-raise bluff way too much uh, these days in certain situations. 
uh, a lot of people still don't really know what to do to early position raisers that raise too much. Otherwise, I wouldn't see so many of them. And uh, I, I think that, like those are like the broad strokes. And people really do not format bluff nearly as much as they should. A lot of people notice that everybody's three-bet bluffing these days, but they never come in with a four-bet bluff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, those are some things off the top of my head. I'm always surprised don't get discussed more. You, you flat too much. That's, that's a good name for a webinar. Yeah, that's a really, <laughs> good, that's a really good point. You know, some, some guy better, better do that one of these days. Better do that quick, yeah. So if anybody's heard anything there that sort of rings true or, you know, resonates with you, that then maybe send in some questions on that, and I'm sure Alex won't mind going into it a bit more in depth on the next show or a future episode. Um, until then, Alex, thanks for your time, and we will see you after Halloween when you've been playing around as Captain Jack Sparrow. Or, <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> Doing my makeup like Plan 9. Yeah, yeah, I'll be... Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, I was about to try and come up with like a funny pirate poker-based name for you, but I can't really be bothered. Uh, <laughs> until the next... I choked. Um, until... <laughs> Until the next time, thanks for listening, everyone. And as Alex says, share the podcast, tell people about it, post it on Facebook. It all helps. It all adds up uh, and helps keep the show going and stuff. Uh, Alex, thanks for your time again, mate, and we'll speak to you on the next show. Cheers. Cheers. I got the the last cheers in. Cheers. The dates for the next Million Dollar Sundays are locked in. Wondering what a million bucks looks like? Every Sunday in October, America's Card Room is putting $1 million guaranteed on the table. On Sunday, October 4th, 11th, 18th, and 25th, we're bringing our famous Million Dollar Sunday, a $1 million guaranteed poker tournament with a gigantic $200,000 cash prize for first place. Don't miss out on your biggest payday yet. AmericasCardRoom.com